You're listening to the Live Well Radio Podcast Show. A wealth of information for a life of inspiration. And here's your host, Brett Coleman. Hey, everyone. Today is Soulful Sunday. And in all my years, I can honestly say that I have never heard of, let alone met anyone quite like today's guest. As you all know, the foundation of this podcast is built on information for inspiration. That's exactly why when I heard of what Vicki Smith is doing for animals, I immediately reached out to her and invited her to be a guest on our show today. Vicki is the founder, president, and CEO of Fetch Fido of Flight. I want to provide her a platform where she can share her story, her mission, and her vision with the world and tell us how she uses every day of her life to make the world a little better place. Hey, Vicki Smith, welcome to the Live Well Radio Show. How are you doing? Doing great, thank you. I'm going to start here in a second, but I need to know why you do what you do. I kind of get a little intro earlier. Uh, your foundation is called Fetch Fido of Flight. You have to have a love of animals to be so dedicated to the cause, correct? I absolutely do. We actually moved out to Oklahoma a few years ago, and my husband's job relocated us here from California. And once we got out here, I realized very early that there is a huge problem with pet overpopulation here. And our shelters are all full and euthanizing. Our foster homes are full. Our rescues are full. And there's just no outlet for these amazing animals that are sitting in our kill shelters being euthanized every single day. And Oklahoma still has a bit of an archaic um, euthanization process. Um, It's still legal and practiced every day here is heart sick and um, gunshot and even gassing, um, also legal and used every day in our state. So let's give some background about Fetch Fido Flights. Explain to people what it is, and let's go back to the beginning and how it all started. Well, it started because we have three pets, and when we moved into Oklahoma and I saw the situation with pets here, I had worked for Hewlett Packard for 20 plus years. And so I had a skill set um, that I was not using because my husband's job had relocated us. So I had left my job at HP. And when I noticed the problem out here, I said, somebody has got to do something. And very early on, I realized, you know what, I'm somebody. And my husband was a little bit reluctant at first because we had just moved here. We had no friends here. We had no family here. I had no rescue background at all. And so he was a little bit hesitant to support me in it, thinking that it was going to be something that I had a heart to do, but I just wasn't going to be able to get the support And once I started this program and saw the need and the shelters um, found out about our program and were so excited to be able to get some animals safe, it just kind of snowballed. I mean, it's just been, it's been a bit of a, um, I I don't even know how to explain it. It's just kind of gotten bigger than me very quickly um, because the need is so great and there's not any other programs like this out here. So it has just been something that has just gotten bigger than me very quickly. Something I started out as a heart to help all of a sudden became a lifeline for many of the shelters out here. Um, Our program takes any breed, any age, any um, 
you know, as, I mean, we take dogs, we take cats, we don't have any breed restrictions, and many of the local transports or rescues have breed restrictions where they won't take pit or pit mixes, and we have a, a huge problem with that out here. And I guess it's just that, you know, we don't have very good spay and neuter laws out here, and the laws that we do have are not enforced. So, therefore, we have a lot of people that just let their animals run at large. They're not um, altered, and so they're just continuing to um, populate and breed, and it's just gotten to the point where you cannot even give these animals away. There are so many, and they just get dumped in the shelter. They get dumped out in the country. Um, you know, it's just it's a huge problem out here. And so my heart was to help these animals that are being euthanized in these shelters because there is absolutely um, nowhere for them to go. And so I started um, this program, and we just take the animals on the on a private cargo plane, and we take them to the Pacific Northwest, where we have partnered with No Kill Shelters, and Sorry, I'm going to step inside one minute. An airplane just decided to go by. Maybe it's one of yours. And so these, <laughs> yeah. So these no-kill shelters then um, bring these animals in. They do the intakes on them. And the majority of them are adopted, if not within hours of arrival, within days of arrival. Um, it's very, very, um, I guess it would be a very exception if there had been an animal that had been sitting in a shelter in the Oregon um, in one of our partners there for over a couple of weeks. It just typically doesn't happen um, unless we have some that are too young to adopt out and they are in foster, or we might have one or two that are just a little bit harder to adopt. Maybe they're a pit or a pit mix, and they're just, you know, a little bit harder to adopt, and so they might sit there for a couple of weeks or longer, but, you know, eventually they all get homes, and these are all animals that would have been euthanized here in our state. So let me ask, let's go through the process here. So Oklahoma uh, City, is that where you are? We're actually located in Edmond, which is just north of Oklahoma City. Okay, so the right now there's hundreds, if not thousands, of animals in these shelters in the state of Oklahoma, and how do you even begin the process of getting these animals on an airplane to the Pacific Northwest? And by the way, how many states are involved uh, on, on, in your program, Pacific Northwest? Um, well, we've taken a bunch to Washington, and right now primarily we're taking them to Oregon. Um, so as long as we can keep taking them to the same shelters and they're able to keep you know, um, taking them from us, it's just easier if we kind of keep going to the same, same places. We furnish all of our own crates and all of that, and then we have to ground freight them back here so that we can keep using um, the crates over and over. And if we're taking to a whole lot of different um, shelters, then it makes it a little bit more difficult for us to get our crates back. And sure. um, so we just kind of try to, to make it as easy as possible on everybody. Um, but Is it a week, weekly basis that you're doing this? Oh, no, I wish. I absolutely wish. Um, these flights cost us about $20,000 and we can fit, well, our last flight um, um, a couple of weeks ago, what we had 125 animals on that flight. So it sounds, the sticker shock sounds like a lot, but when you um, do the math and you realize how many animals we're saving with that amount of money, it brings it back down to where it's very manageable and it's even cheaper than a lot of ground transports run at per animal. Um, but we help any shelter or rescue that pulls from a kill shelter within the state of Oklahoma. 
We also have a a humane society that's in Arkansas that we help. That they're right on the border of Oklahoma and Arkansas, and so they are easily able to transport their animals to our flights the morning of the flight. But what we do is we just get donations for these flights, and once we get enough in donations to book a plane, then I let all of the shelters know. They follow our Facebook page, and they see my note on there stating that we have donations and we're booking a flight. Then they start submitting animals through our um, submission page, and these animals just have to meet our requirements, which means they're, they're not dog aggressive and they're not people aggressive. Um, they can be blind, they can be deaf, they can be three-legged, they can have um, demodex mange. I mean, we're, we're really kind of open, but we cannot take dogs that are aggressive for obvious reasons because they're not going to be able to adopt them out on the other end either. Before I forget, let me so, ha- let, why don't you go ahead and share that Facebook page before I forget, before I lose track of this. Go ahead and share that Facebook page with people sure. listening right now. Our Facebook page is just Fetch Fido A Flight. And we also have a website, which is www.fetchfidoaflight.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram um, at fetchfidoaflight. Cool. And how many animals since you started has Fetch Fido Flight saved? Uh, we've been doing this since the first part of 2016. And we have saved over 1,200 animals um, as of today. And we will be doing another flight in a couple of weeks, and that will be another 120-plus animals. Um, and then hopefully right now we have about $6,200, I believe, um, that has been donated toward our October flight. So right now my goal is to get one plane a month out. And, you know, that's me getting $20,000 in donations every month. And I do the donations on my own. I don't charge the rescues or shelters any money at all to be able to send these animals. If we did have to charge them to take them, they would not send them because they would not have the funds to do that. So I do this solely by um, donations. So I have a lot of followers that, you know, some may send $10, some may send $100, some may send $10,000. I have some pretty large donors. Um, and then I have some that give me $5 a month. So, you know, and, and anything in between. Hey, Vic, let me ask you this, because I was, excuse my lack of knowledge. Why are those flights so costly at $20,000 a pop? That's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's because we are, um, we're booking, a, we're doing a private cargo plane. So these planes come out of El Paso, Texas. Um, they come into Oklahoma City. We fill them up with crates of animals, and then they go directly to a municipal airport near where we are, you know, where our shelters can pick them up. And it sounds like a lot, but if you figure that we are basically leasing our own private plane. I see. Um, and we have to pay for the FAA requires that there are two pilots because of the distance and the altitude. And so we have two pilots. Um, that we're paying. We have to lease the plane. We have to pay for the fuel um, and any airport fees for landing and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So it just, it gets to be, and our program, just like when you purchase an airline ticket, varies by the time of year and by the amount of traffic. So 
Um, although they give us an amazing deal because we're a nonprofit, um, they still have to, they are not a nonprofit. They are a profit company. So they still have to make a profit. And right now there's a huge shortage of pilots. And so they're having to pay their pilots more money in order to um, retain them. So, you know, it's just, it's it adds indicative up. of the it time. Adds up. Yeah. Have you reached out to any yeah. larger uh, cargo companies like FedEx and or DHL and said, look, here's what, what I'm doing. How can you help or can you help? And if so, in what way? Yeah, no, I, I haven't. Um, right now, I'm running this program um, primarily by myself. Um, I do have a board of directors, obviously, but um, we have somebody in California that is uh, our secretary or our, excuse me, treasurer, and she takes care of all of our financials, um, which is wonderful for me because I need someone to keep that all in, in line. Um, because we're a 501c3 nonprofit, we do answer to the IRS regarding all of our donations, which um, is good to point out is that we are a 501c3 so any donation made to our organization is 100% tax deductible and something else that's noteworthy as well is all of the people that run this rescue and that work for this rescue are volunteers none of us are paid we don't have any paid staff members so every dollar that we get donated goes toward helping animals Okay, let's go back. How many animals have you helped? Is there you have a round number? Um, right now, as of um, our last flight, I think it was just over twelve hundred animals that we've saved on flight. And then we have also helped sponsor some animals to get them out of um, out of shelters. And we've also reached out to rescues here to see if we couldn't get rescues to step up to take animals and that kind of thing. We've also helped advocate for foster homes for some of our rescues that we work with to see if we can't get people to sign up through our program to foster a dog or a cat. Uh, so all of those types of things help because if the shelters are full and euthanizing, if we can get people that will just step up to say, hey, I will take a dog or a cat or two dogs or two cats or whatever into my home for a short time to keep it from being euthanized while the, uh, the rescues work to find a a suitable home, um, that is, we need that. And we just don't have enough of them here. Why hasn't Oklahoma seen this as a problem? And because if you, re- if you reverse engineer this, you could say, let's start with the source. The source is that maybe instead of having to ship these animals across the country to, up to the North Pacific Northwest, if Oklahoma changed uh, some of their laws, would that alleviate some of the problem? Absolutely. Absolutely. If Oklahoma would change their spay and neuter laws and if Oklahoma would enforce the laws that we already have in place, um, it would it would mean I mean, it would make so much difference. But unfortunately, um, our lawmakers in this state and, you know, the lobbyists and everyone that is trying to do things, it's just not at the top of their list. Um, It's it's such a horrible problem. And it has you know, we've, we've made leaps and bounds, you know, we're, we're trying to make progress, but we are not doing enough to be able to um, make the changes that are necessary to be able to, to fix this problem. And my program, Fetch Fido Flight, is just a complete Band-Aid on a huge gaping sore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way we're ever going to fix this program by getting dogs and cats out of here. The only thing we're doing is saving as many as we can um, while other people are working to try to change the um, things that are necessary to change to make this so that we don't have this problem. It's just right now, it's just not at the top of anybody's list that can make a 
change. And unfortunately, you know, as hard as we try and as hard as we cry about it, nobody seems to think it's a big enough problem to spend their time and resources on. So while the lawmakers are dragging their feet trying to maybe say they're working on this, can't foster families step up? I mean, because they, they have to be crucial, integral part of this is for saving the lives of shelter dogs. How can people right there in Oklahoma uh, step up and become foster families for these dogs? Is it possible? Absolutely. They can go to our Facebook page um, and contact me. They can go to our website. We absolutely have a Fido Fosters link, and you can click on that tab on our website, and you can sign up to be a foster. When you foster a dog or a cat, you pay nothing. The rescue pays for the food. They pay for all the medical. If the dog is to get sick, they pay for everything. They are totally responsible for that animal. The only thing our fosters do is provide a safe, loving home for that animal um, while the rescues work to try to find an adopt and, um, adoptable, you know, a family that would adopt that animal. So, you know, we don't want someone to step up that will say, hey, I have a backyard. You can throw this dog out in my backyard. We're looking for someone that's going to provide a loving home for this animal um, and start getting it socialized and, and getting it ready to go on a transport or become part of someone else's family. But we just have not had enough people that would step up. We have people say, oh, I would love to foster, but I just don't want to get attached because then I wouldn't be able to give it up. Well, you don't have to give it up. If you get that attached and you decide you want to adopt that animal, whoever's fostering has first right to that animal to be able to adopt it. They're not going to come and rip it out of your home or rip it out of your arms after you've bonded with it. Um, If they have someone that wants to adopt it, they're always going to give the foster family the first privilege to to be able to adopt that animal. Um, But what people need to understand is, you know, do you, you're so afraid of getting a little bit attached to this animal and then sending it off, but the alternative is that animal's going to die. So um, even people within the state of Oklahoma don't realize the euthanasia practices that are um, used here in the state. People that have lived here their whole life have basically told me, oh, that's not true. I've never heard that. But, you know, if you go out and you look and you do your homework and you find out what shelters are using, what types of euthanasia they're using, you know, you you have to understand that um, even within the state of Oklahoma, we require that shelters use the most humane euthanasia practices that they can. But that is only a law if you are a municipality of 10,000 people or more. There are over 400 cities within the state of Oklahoma that are smaller than 10,000 people. So all of those cities do not, they're not even required by law to use humane euthanasia. So they can euthanize however they see fit. And these are the kinds of things that we need to change within our state. Um, There are also people that live outside the city limits are unable to use the city shelter. So if they find a dog and they want to relinquish it to the shelter, they take it to the shelter because they found it outside of city limits or they don't live in city limits. The shelters then say, oh, no, we can't take that dog. You found it outside the city limits. So then the finder is stuck with this animal not having anywhere to take it. So what do they do? They take it out in the country and they dump it somewhere else. And so this is just an ongoing problem that we just have not addressed within this state, and it happens every single day. You know you have states like Oregon, your destination shelters. It it blows my mind that they have such a need for animals when your Oklahoma shelters are overpopulated. What's the main reason for that? Right. 
Primarily, the Pacific Northwest has a lot better spay and neuter laws. Um, They enforce their spay and neuter laws. They don't have backyard breeding going on. Um, They don't have a lot of puppy mills um, like we have out here in the Midwest and the South. And so they don't have this source of, you know, this never-ending source of puppies just everywhere. Um, Here in the South and the Midwest, we don't have that. People just don't have, we don't have spay and neuter laws, for one, that are enforced. So then you have people that don't want to spend the money to get their animals altered. So they just continually have litters. Then the, the owners do not want to pay to get these litters vetted or fed or anything else. So then they just take them and dump them in the kill shelter. And then the kill shelter has to decide what are we going to do with these animals? Are we going to euthanize them? Are we going to try to get rescue? But our rescues are full. And, you know, the rescues can only take so many animals. If there's nobody adopting them, there's nowhere for them to go. And you imagine if you go to a shelter and you can adopt this animal for $35, but then the rescue takes it and now the rescue wants $150. So if we can't get people to adopt them from a shelter for $35, how are we going to get them to adopt them from a rescue for $150? Have you taken this to the local news? Have you taken, you've been doing this a couple of years now. Are they aware of what you're doing, the local news station? Oh, yeah. Actually, if you go on to our Facebook page, I just um, posted from our flight last weekend, I just posted KOCO5 News carried our story. Um, they also have posted it in Oregon at KATU and um, KGAL. I mean, there's a ton of different um, sources. If you go out to uh, Google and you Google Fetch Fido a flight, you'll see we were in the Statesman Journal. We've been in the Edmund Sun. Um, we've been, I mean, there's, there's tons of write-ups about us. So we've, we constantly, whenever, we're, whenever we can, we're constantly in the news telling people, stay new to your pets. This is our program and this is what we do and this is why we do it and trying to make people aware. But, you know, oftentimes people just, if they don't, if they're not animal lovers, you know, everybody seems to think that, you know, animals in shelters are euthanized with a sleepy little shot. And that's not the case most of the time. Are there any other so, programs like yours out there doing what you're doing? Um, yeah, there are a couple of other programs out here, not that, not that have the presence here where we are. Um, where we are in Oklahoma, this is, we're pretty much it. Um, but there are a couple of other programs out there that do something similar to us. Um, but we all kind of work, we all kind of work on our own, you know, we all have our own way of doing things and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of animal advocates out there and we're all doing our part to try to help as many as we can. But, until people step up and understand that spay and neutering is the only way that we're ever going to get this under control. Um, but right now we're just so blessed to be able to take animals to the Pacific Northwest. You know, these shelters are in need of adoptable animals. They have people coming in. One of our uh, shelters, one of our receiving shelters even has a beeper. So very much like when you go out to dinner on a Saturday night, you get given a beeper and they let you know when your table's ready. Well, one of our shelters in Oregon has that system because they have so many people coming in there looking to adopt animals that they sign in, they give them a beeper. Many of them will wait in the lobby for over two hours for their turn to go back and and meet some of these animals that they're interested in adopting. And here we have people lining up at our shelters too, but they're lining up Drop to owners surrender their pets to a kill shelter. Why don't yeah. we talk about that? On, let's let's talk about the receiving end for a second because this podcast, as you know, is going to be you know, all over the world, uh, especially in the United States. But 
where can people go in Oregon? What are the, some of the shelters in Oregon they can go there to make sure they're getting these dogs and cats and, and, and putting them in a good home? What's the name of the shelters that they're uh, in Oregon? Is there more than one? Obviously, there has to be a couple, right? Yeah, so right now our primary shelters that we are um, taking to are Safe Haven Humane in Albany, Oregon. And then we also have been working with Oregon Humane in Portland, Oregon. We also have um, some humane societies over on um, in Eastern Oregon that we've been working with. Um, haven't been working with them so much lately. Um, the issue is this. I can only fit so many animals on the plane. And when I have one or two shelters that want all of those animals, um, it's easier for me to take them to one or two shelters, like I said, um, rather than you know, put 20 here and 20 there and 20 there, because then I have to pay more money to have my freight company go to all these different locations, picking up our, our, um, all of our crates. And then it's harder for me too, to make sure that I'm going to get our crates back. Um, our crates are over a hundred dollars a piece and that's why to a flight supplies that. And so you can imagine if I send 55 crates and I only get 50 back every time, then that's five hundred dollars in crates that I'm that I have to replace. Who's now. making those crates and for you? you the, Who's the manufacturer of those crates? Can they maybe donate a few more? Yeah, well, we we kind of have been getting. We've had a couple of donors that were incredible to stand up and um, buy us a whole bunch of crates when we um, probably about a year and a half ago. Um, and those crates are, prob- you know, getting close to being needing to be replaced. Mm-hmm. You can imagine that dogs chew, you know, on them while, you know, it's about a six and a half hour flight. And they're crated for about an hour before they even take off because we got to crate them and then get them loaded on the plane. And then they're crated for about another hour on the other end while they're being unloaded and while they're being transported to um, their receiving shelter. So, you know, these dogs, if they get nervous or scared or, or just bored, they might chew them up. So, you know, we do have a certain amount of them. And then with in shipping them back, they are a hard plastic. So if they get broke or, or dropped or whatever, they can crack and then we can't use them again because they could be... Um, you know, harmful to a dog if they get their nose stuck in it or get their paw stuck in it. or um, So there's a certain amount of, you know, overhead that we have that we have to continually address as far as replacing. We have to have crate blankets. We have to have crates. We have to have water nozzles because we have to send these dogs with water um, during the summer, especially when it's hot. They have to have access to, to water. So there's a little bit of overhead that we have that we have to keep you know, replacing some stuff, but yeah, it's, we've got it down in our source shelter or our, not our source shelters, our receiving shelters are really good about cleaning and sanitizing and sterilizing and sending everything back. But every now and then we'll get one back that's broke or cracked or we'll get, you know, we don't get maybe all of them back that we sent um, just because they have other people sending animals as well. And they might get one or two of our crates mixed up with another uh, transport. So it is what it is. It is. And there's a lot of people listening right now that are going to be inspired uh, by your story and your cause to the point they are either going to want to support your cause, obviously, or perhaps take some initiative to do something like you're doing. What small steps of, of advice can you share and leave our listeners with today so they can t- start making some small steps like you're doing and, and make an impact in some way? You know, first of all, I would say not everybody's going to have the skill set or the time or the desire or the passion to do what I'm doing. It's a huge effort. 
it takes about 60 hours a week of my time for no salary. So there's not a lot of people that are willing to give up that much. But what I would say, if you want to help, start by helping a local rescue. Um, help our rescue. If you don't want to help our rescue, find out some rescues that are in your area that you could help. Um, contact your shelter. See if there's something that you can do to volunteer. Shelters always need people to come and walk dogs and pay some attention to these animals that are just stuck in shelters for days and hours and weeks on end. Um, so do those kinds of things. If you can like get on our Facebook page and share our posts, you know, every time we post something, share it with your friends because not everybody can afford to donate, but everybody can do something. Um, and this is what I often say a lot, you know, everybody can't do everything, but everybody can do something. And so you, if you can't donate, then maybe you can share our posts and help, you know, get the word out there about this problem and about the pet overpopulation in Oklahoma. You can help um, get us, you know, some recognition out there and, and help. Maybe people will donate to our cause to help. We have um, the majority of our donors are not even in this state, um, which is very crazy. But if you look at the amount of money that we get donated for our program, that we pay for all these flights, the majority of the money doesn't even come from within Oklahoma. We have donors that are all over the world. We have donors all over the United States. And people are just so great to help us um, with our cause. And we've just been really blessed in that way. You really have. I'm gonna, before I wrap this up with you, I want to ask you this question, because obviously you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said passion. You, you've made us a life purpose, or one of them, I should say. So your life is a book. And title of that book would be what? Oh, man. <laughs> you should have told me this a couple weeks ago so I can start thinking about it. Life of my book would be Chaos, I guess, the name of my book. Um, yeah, I think Chaos because it's just constant chaos. Um, if I'm not begging people for money, I am trying to get flights out. If I'm not trying to get flights out, I'm dealing with shelters and trying to help them find resources for some of their animals. Um you know, and then I have my own family on top of that, that we are, you know, that I'm trying to manage and juggle and this whole, you know, um, work-life balance thing. Although some people would say I don't work because I don't get a salary. I work harder and more hours than most people that are salaried. So, you know, you look at it that way and you think, man, my life is chaotic. <laughs> I think, so, I think you, you said the book would be chaotic. I'm listening to your story and I think a great title for that book would be A Purposeful Passion. There you go. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So on behalf of myself, my wife, and all our listeners, thank you for your time and your selfless acts of pure kindness. We appreciate that. And we'll do everything we can do on our end to get the word out. And definitely tell people one more time the website and Facebook page, okay? Okay. Our Facebook page is just Fetch Fido A Flight. And our website is fetchfidoaflight.com. Okay. Thank you again. Say hi to Rob. And definitely, if you have any more exciting news or updates, give me a quick call or text, and we'll have you back on in the future. Great. Thank you so much. All right, Vicki. Have a great day. Thank you again. Uh-huh. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.